Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, January 27th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Soretta. And joining me on his podcast is Slash Film Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Brad, how is Sundance going? Because you're in the middle of this film festival. Uh, yeah, I'm, on, I'm actually pretty much on the tail end. I don't really have anything left to review. I've got a couple uh movies left that i'm gonna watch that uh either chris uh or ben have already reviewed and uh it's been all right i think i'll have 22 or 23 movies under my belt when all is said and done um and it's been it's been pretty decent you know it kind of similar to last year's virtual sundance film festival there's not like uh many super high profile movies even in the premiere section um, and I think that's because even though this Sundance Film Festival was intended to be in person, there was probably some hesitation as to how big it was going to be as the first uh, in-person Sundance since the the pandemic started. So not quite as big as usual Sundance uh, festivals and the roster isn't quite as impressive. But there, there's been some really good stuff that I've seen that I've, uh, I've really enjoyed. And uh, we're actually going to have an episode sometime here in the near future once the festival's over where uh, me and Chris and Ben and maybe one of the other slash film writers will be talking about what we've seen and our favorite movies and whatnot. Yeah, I can't wait to listen to that because uh, if you've never really been following the Sundance thing, like, you know, Sundance is a film festival that happens every January in Utah. Now it's online, obviously. Uh, but it, it kind of sets the taste of, of films for the year. And uh, there's typically at least a handful of movies that come out of the film festival that are uh, very much on like a lot of people's top 10 lists at the end of the year and sometimes in award consideration. So it's a, it's kind of like getting a, a, a preview. Um, and, and sometimes the movies that play at Sundance don't come out for more than a year after they debuted at Sundance. So Indeed. Yeah. So anyways, uh, let, let's jump into the news. We have a short episode today. Uh, I want to start things off with uh, the story that started earlier in the week. Um, so Peter Dinklage was on WTF with Mark Marin, and uh, this was written up uh, by The Wrap and we covered it. Uh, basically, he was talking about 
Disney's new live action adaptation of Snow White. And here is the quote that Dinklage had. He said, literally, no offense to anybody, but I was a little taken back when they were very proud to cast a Latina actress as Snow White. You're still telling the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Take a step back and look at what you're doing. It makes no sense to me. He continued, you're progressive in one way, and you're still making that effing backwards story about the seven dwarfs living in a cave together. What the effing, or what the F are you doing, man? Have I done nothing to advance the cause from my soapbox? I guess I'm not loud enough. Um, so that was picked up by many news outlets and it actually forced Disney to issue a statement. So Disney issued a statement and they said to avoid reinforcing stereotypes from the original animated film, we are taking a different approach with these seven characters and have been consulting with members of the Dwarvism community. We look forward to sharing more as the film heads into production after a lengthy development period. Uh, and THR also added on to that, uh, the Hollywood Reporter, uh, noting that the production will employ cultural consultants as they did in previous films like Aladdin and Mulan. Um, so this is interesting. I, I, I It's not clear on if um, whatever Disney is going to take to the steps that they're going to take to adapt this uh, this version of Snow White. It's not clear if this is in response to Peter Dinklage's comments or if this is something they always intended. Um, I mean, casting Snow White uh, the way they did, I mean, really, really feels like they were taking a, d a different approach from day one, uh, casting Rachel Ziegler, uh, who you can see in West Side Story right now. Uh, she's uh, amazing. And um, I can't wait to see her as Snow White. Uh, so we don't know, you know, if this was a, a response or like, uh, was this always in the, the cards? You know, we obviously didn't know much about this story. But I wanted to ask you, Brad, like, how do you do, how do you adapt the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? Without dwarfs, because um, I and I, I, I and by the way, I want to say I'm not saying that in a um, I'm defending the ability to, to, to depth seven uh, with the dwarfs. I, I don't think I, I do think that is not cool to, to, to do that in, in today's stage. But like, what what is the answer? Because to me, it's like almost like let's they're a big part of the story. Let's not adapt it at that point. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. This is a tough thing because, like, uh, you know, the idea of featuring characters who are dwarves and that that term, you know, being applied to uh, little people, you know, um, as I believe the proper nomenclature is, um, you know, is something that feels like it's creating like a sense of of other and making them feel like inherently fantastical people when you know there there's nothing that's necessarily uh, inherently necessary about those characters being dwarves. So I don't know if like, if it's just the idea of having uh, little people uh, be represented by dwarves in Hollywood, you know, on the big screen and having them be basically what amounts to like some kind of fantastical uh, creature as opposed to just normal people. 
um, you know, is kind of the the problem. And I guess Snow White and the Huntsman kind of, I guess, went against the grain a little bit with this because, but also kind of, I don't know, it, it, I'm not sure how well this worked necessarily, but they used um, actors that played dwarves and they just used forced perspective and special effects to make them look like smaller people. So I'm not sure what the what you do here. A part of me feels like Snow White like, is a kind like, of story. Like, yeah, is it going to be just a bunch of men living together? Like, a, I mean, I could see them doing that approach. Or would it would it be different if you like turned if you cast uh, actors in these roles and you made them the size of like mice, like they're like really small and not representing? Like, I, I don't know. I'm just. I'm not sure how you approach this. I really yeah, don't know. It maybe speaks to the larger problem too of how the idea of dwarves have been like ingrained into fantasy culture when they really probably shouldn't be just because they are shorter people, you know? Yes. Um, Cause like Lord of the Rings, you know, has uh, characters like hobbits and gnomes and things like that. And they're not necessarily directly correlated to the, the, the real existence of little people in in society you know so maybe that's where where the issue is and like that dwarves is something that maybe should just be cut from being uh this fictional part of of movies that are set in fantasy worlds but at the same time on a much different scale and conversation i guess maybe we should just stop trying to retell snow white (laughs) uh like 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 we get it we've seen a lot of different versions and none of them have really been uh, all that necessary or needed, you know, and uh, have become important parts of pop culture and the zeitgeist. So may- maybe just knock that off. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I really don't know what the answer to this is. And I, 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 you know, what you suggest is the first option I suggested, but we know Disney and there's too much money to be made with Snow White to not adapt it in some way. I just don't know uh, how you do it. And yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm interested to see what their take is. Um, and I, you know, I, I want to see it succeed because I, I really, really loved uh, Rachel in that uh, in West Side Story. I really want to see her become like a household name. Uh, she, she was just like such a great part of that movie. So, um, okay, let, let's move on from Disney. Let's go to Warner Brothers. James Gunn has Peacemaker on HBO Max right now, and it sounds like there could be more shows coming from James Gunn to that service. Brad, what do we know? Yes, it seems James Gunn uh, won't be done playing in the DC Extended Universe uh, anytime soon. Peacemaker is a huge hit. Um, Some uh, ratings analysis organization has said that it's become uh, one of the, the biggest streaming shows of all time. So obviously Warner Brothers is keen on staying in the business of James Gunn playing with DC Comics characters. And it sounds like uh, another DC Comics TV show is already in the works and it will very likely be um, another spinoff of the Suicide Squad that will be separate from Peacemaker and is uh, set to focus on another character from the Suicide Squad. Okay, so then the question becomes, which character should it focus on? I think that the the most interesting and probably likely choice is going to be Ratcatcher 2.0 because James Gunn has talked a lot about how uh, how much he loves that character and how uh, she holds a special place in his heart. And 
I think that she was probably the most prominent character that you could feature in a Suicide Squad spinoff show that wouldn't require a lot of money to bring in an expensive star like Idris Elba or Margot Robbie uh, or, or somebody like that. I think that that's probably uh, the, the most likely choice for, for this kind of um, spinoff. I, I want to see the weasel. I want to see Weasel and King Shark team up for an HBO Max TV series. I mean, I I don't think that that's a bad idea. I, I would love to I would love to see how those two characters work together. I mean, I my my personal pitch would be a an educational show where King Shark learns words and then also teaches them to kids. <laughs> Is that the next version of Sesame Street? Um, I think so. Yeah. 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 Um. I don't know. I, I really don't know which way it's going to go. James Gunn, you know, he always keeps you guessing. I, I he, I'm I'm never sure what approach he's going to take. What uh, what appeals to him? I mean, he always kind of goes for the. I don't want to say like, I don't know. Is, is there a possibility that I don't know, like maybe like Captain Boomerang or. I don't know. I like, well, I mean, and well, unless they went with yeah. prequels, that's not possible. Yeah, it would be pre- I, I, yeah, I know that. Um, ah, I don't know. Um, you know, what I'd like to see. I'd like to see um, maybe something that could could bring in a couple of these characters. Maybe like uh, you know, I mean, that's entirely bring- possible because the the Peacemaker series, you know, it puts Peacemaker in a, uh, another Task Force X team. You know, where the rest of the team are just like. Uh, agents who are supposed to keep him in line and work with him on missions so it's entirely possible that they could send a smaller you know sect of task force x you know and give them their own spinoff uh there are at least a few surviving you know members from the (laughs) that opening sequence of the suicide squad that they could make it work um so yeah there's i and if there's one thing i've learned now it's never to doubt james gunn because with peacemaker uh when i saw the trailers I wasn't convinced that this was a character that needed his own show and I wasn't sure how his personality would work in his own series, whether or not it could be stretched to fill uh, an entire season of television. And James Gunn uh, really did a great job of making this a a much more meaningful and uh, powerful story than I ever would have anticipated. And he's he's just very skilled at taking these oddball, um, seemingly, you know, unredeeming characters and giving them an arc that makes you fall in love with them and shows you that they're not just these two-dimensional, you know, monsters or sociopaths. Even though Peacemaker is still very much a sociopath, he has a lot of depth <laughs> to him and and he's and he is evolving as a character, which is very cool. For sure. Okay, let's move on to our final story. A piece of concept art found its way online from digital artist and set designer Andrew Reeder. And this piece of concept art comes from Spider-Man No Way Home and shows us a different version of this movie. So uh, the piece of concept art is like in what appears to be the final act where uh, if you don't know, if you haven't seen that movie, if you're one of the people that didn't contribute to the uh, record-breaking box office, uh, the final act takes place on the Statue of Liberty uh, in in this world. And the concept art here shows a character that did not appear in the movie. It actually shows um, Mysterio. So I'm guessing originally 
this movie was going to put together like an actual Sinister Six and Mysterio was going to be part of that uh, Sinister Six. Uh, I don't know. Do you, do you have any theories, Brad, on why that didn't happen? I mean, if anything, I'm betting that it was probably a little harder to bring Mysterio back so immediately after his demise in Spider-Man No Way Home. And I think the difference between Mysterio and the other supervillains that we see is there Peter already tried to redeem Mysterio and get him to stop what he was doing and it didn't work. And Mysterio took the the route that he did and it resulted in, you know, his own death. Uh, on top of that, I think logistically He comes from his hard- own multiverse too, so that would Well, be- he well he de- well he doesn't really. I mean, so like it would uh, that would remember that was a lie. No, I'm saying from like the Tom Holland MCU multiverse. Gotcha. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, so yeah, that, that would make even more of a difficult explanation as to why, how he's back from the dead in his own universe. But I think also on a, a practical scale, I mean, because you could easily explain that by this being a Mysterio from a different universe, um, since there are always a lot of different variants out there. But I think with uh, Mysterio, it, he um, his abilities came from illusions that were projected by uh, these drones. And so I think having Mysterio try to battle with drones in this environment where you have all these other supervillains who have either powers that are, you know, explained by accidents or, um, you know, actual tangible things that they can use that aren't on such a grand scale. I think Mysterio's presence probably would have made things a lot more complicated in that final battle if he were involved because he was able to use his drones to create such, you know, grandiose illusions that tricked spider-man and threw him around and you know created the very trippy uh scenes that you know really messed with his mind and so i I think if anything it was probably just a matter of making it a little bit of a smaller scale fight as big as that fight already was mysterio probably would have complicated it even more yeah i gotta agree with you there i i I'm I'm curious. I'm curious to to learn what the other versions of this movie were. Yeah. Uh I mean we know at some point there was a version of this movie that didn't have other Spider-Man coming in. So maybe this could be from that? I don't know. It's it, it shows them, I was going to say it shows him versus like Doctor Strange flying around yeah. the Statue of Liberty. But, and also um, it looks like the Statue of Liberty is like being torn apart as well. <laughs> Yeah, like, like panel, it's funny like panels because of the e- metal are coming off. Yeah, even in that Marvel, that two book Marvel, uh, what was that book called that you did the review for for the site? The uh, the the story of Marvel Studios. The the story of Marvel Studios. Even in that those books, you don't really get to learn a lot of like what the alternate plans were, and I think that's because Marvel plays things close to the vest because they might use those plans in the future yeah yeah for sure yeah so I, i'm guessing we'll, we won't learn much about this anyways okay i'm gonna let you go back to your work brad you can find more of all of our work at slash you can find this podcast on apple google overcast spotify all the popular podcast apps please feel free to send your feedback questions comments concerns to peter at slash and please rate and review this podcast on apple podcast tell your friends spread the word we'll see you tomorrow